You're listening to the Gridiron Growl Podcast from ChopTalk.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 27 of the Gridiron Growl Podcast. This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with lead man in charge, at Chop Talk, Brian Fox Jr. And joining us, the man who grades the Gators for us every week, Jake, hit on ChopTalk.com. And wrapping up another week of coaching hires, man. Uh, last week we heard about new Wesley McGriff hire, as some people would call him, Crime Dog, the new defensive coach over there. And Florida hinted at hiring a second defensive coach, and now Florida would hire its second defensive coach this secondary. And he goes by the name of Jules Montanar, a former player back from 2003 to 2007 for the West Virginia Mountaineers, where he played as a safety. He's from Naples, Florida. Has a really good ties to South Florida, from what I'm hearing, and was a top recruiter in the Sub Belt Conference. And now he's coming back to the SEC as he spent time over at Alabama with Nick Saban from 2012 to 2013. He's also spent time at Texas State as a special teams coach and cornerbacks coach being one of his most notable tenures besides the time he had at Alabama. Also spent some time over there at James Madison, Purdue, Lake Erie College, and Eastern Kentucky, All a former All-State safety who was named Southwest Florida Defensive Player of the Year. And this is all per Corey Bender from Rivals and Gators territory. So, Brian, Jake, man, uh, what do you guys think about this hire? Jake, I'm gonna let you go first because I'm not particularly happy about the uh, the hire, uh, but I'll get into that a little more in depth. But I want to get your thoughts first. I, I I don't know. I think it's a break even. Um, I think it was probably some kind of attempt at upgrading the recruiting at that position. Um, you know, they obviously brought in McGriff, who's unknown recruiter in the SEC. And I think they were just trying to get another guy down there who can, you know, has South Florida ties and see if he can't pull some guys out, maybe some gems or something like that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You never, you don't know how it's going to turn out because he just hasn't had much experience coaching at this level. But I mean, working under guys like Nick Saban, I think a lot of people like that you know, those Saban disciples for coaching jobs because they think the process is going to, you know, go over there. They also carry a a huge name over at Alabama. I mean, uh, you could pretty much, with how Alabama has played and how consistent Nick Saban has been with national championships, you could pretty much hire anybody over at Alabama and they could probably get you a five-star athlete over there. I mean, the, the, the name just carries weight itself, so... I mean, it's still good to see that he's been at the University of Alabama for, for about a year and uh, got that under his belt. But, um, yeah, just right. uh, it's But a, the issue, I think, is that his role at Alabama was a graduate assistant. He was just learning the, the ropes. And I, and I get you've got to start somewhere. My issue is that this is the University of Florida. You should be hiring guys who, at least at some point that we have heard, all the rumors that we had heard, and I get what Jake was saying about the South Florida ties. Well, Torian Gray had South Florida ties. So did Traveris Robinson. We struck out on those guys. They fired Gray for reasons unbeknownst to pretty much anybody. Uh, but we keep getting back to that, you know, just how close are we to getting to Alabama and having Alabama-like success? Because Todd Grantham told us we're six points away from Alabama. That's not true. Alabama needed to fill in their coaching staff. They had an, they had an opening on their offensive line. You know what they did? They went out and got an NFL head coach to come and coach their offensive line guys. That's the difference between Alabama and a championship program right now and the program that Dan Mullen's putting out here. Florida is not supposed to be one of those stepping stone schools, but that's what this hire feels like. And I hope Jules Montanar has a fantastic career. I hope he lives up to the billing that I think a lot of people are giving him, but this isn't the type of hire that the University of Florida should be making right now. Uh, yeah, in one retrospect, I think it like I'm very 50 50 with it because you want a young guy in there. We don't have young guys on the staff, so we got a young guy out there. And yeah, he doesn't have the greatest resume. It doesn't really seem like he has a resume that much at all. But I kind of like the hire. I kind of don't because it's kind of like scratching a lottery ticket, right? Uh, you you hire a guy with that's young that can go out there, has, I guess you could say, ties to South Florida like all the other coaches did. But 
you have a young guy out there that's trying to make a name for himself. And if you put a, you know, you can't put a USF logo on the guy and expect him to recruit five stars over to the USF or, or wherever he's coaching at. But if you put a Florida Gator logo on this guy, who knows? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of, I mean, it's not a flashy hire. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I it's definitely not a flashy hire whatsoever, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking it could, it could turn out good and it could turn out really bad. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's- right, but that's, that's what my problem is, is that there's so many question marks. There's a guy who spent three years in that Sunbelt where you talked about him being the, the recruiter of the year or whatever in the Sunbelt. He was a special teams coordinator there. He doesn't have that on field persona that you would expect from a guy filling this type of role. Uh, he must be a damn good recruiter. And there must've been something in these interviews that we're missing, uh, for him to take this kind of role on it. Just, it, Kind of doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Like, like I said, I'm fifty fifty with the hire. I, I wasn't impressed. I had to look up who he was, what he's done. I didn't even know he played for the West Virginia Mountaineers. I did not know anything whatsoever about this guy. And um, when I looked up everything, I kind of was being a little optimistic because you know I me, mean, I'm I'm Mister Optimistic. But um, I just wasn't impressed, and and it, it seems to me. Like, you struck out on Traveris Robinson. Urban Meyer stole just about every coach that was, was on your radar, except for, I guess, I guess maybe Wesley McGriff was on their radar and they, they were able to get him. But it looks like that you're kind of just scratching to get what you can at this point. And, uh, you know, I, that's what I feel. I mean, it, I, it could be different. I mean, you guys may have a different opinion. Other people may have a different opinion. But it just seems to me like Florida – struck out so much on the coaching recruiting trail as they do on the regular high school recruiting trail and now uh, could be paying the price for it or could have been a hire that they wanted all along and they thought about and uh, was going to see what was going to go happen with all the rest of these hires. I don't know, man. Um, never heard of this guy, but I'm hoping he does well at the University of Florida. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, David. It's one of those things where, like, it leans itself toward – just assuming that they had nobody else to hire. Yeah, and uh, that's that's the sad part, man. Uh, it's getting to a point now to where it's not only are schools like Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, all these other schools going into your territory, taking your lunch money, taking all the great Florida prospects from the state of Florida, and then you're left with maybe a top 100 player that maybe you could scoop up to come to Florida. And now you're doing it on the coaching trail now, too. There's other teams getting – Georgia just hired Will Muschamp, and I know that's not like a sexy hire as far as a head coach goes, but for a defensive coach or any kind of defensive part of that, that team, that is one hell of a hire, and he is one hell of a recruiter. Will Muschamp's been out there. Why haven't we tried at least to try to do something to get Will Muschamp back on the staff somehow? He's, he's failed at a head coach twice, so you know he's not going to get a head coaching job probably anywhere. So why not even just try to push to come after Muschamp or something like that? I just never got that. I never got why you could have so many better names out there, but you're going to take a risk on a young guy that hasn't even proven himself yet. And to me, that comes back to the Alabama equation. If you want to be like Bama, you got to do it like Bama. And what does Bama do? What did they do as soon as Charlie Strong got fired from USF? Alabama went out and hired him as an offensive or as a defensive analyst. It's stuff like that. You don't have to give Will Muschamp a position on the field. Give him that defensive end. And, and I'm not even suggesting maybe Will Muschamp, but it could have been Derek Mason. It could have been Charlie Strong. It could have been a whole host of people. Is Florida just not opening up the the, the checkbook and saying, hey, we're not going to do anything? And I mean, it, this is mediocrity, and this is what we're looking at right now. And that's how you finish 8-4 and four instead of 10-2 ten and, ten and two or 11-1. and one. Yeah, uh, it, I'm big on recruiting. And, and obviously, you know, Dan Mullen, we talk about the transfer portal, how he's hit the transfer portal hard. But eventually, you're going to have to get some of these high guys out of high school. I mean, you can't keep band-aiding a situation that is, is, is like, if, <laughs> Dave Waters said it last week, he's not going to be an elite recruiter. It just doesn't seem like that. We've had, what, four years now? This is the fourth year Dan Mullen's been in the system, been, been a coach. We haven't had a top five class at all. Going to how many New York Six Bowls and winning? Didn't win this last one, obviously, but you saw the depth. You saw where Florida has lacked in recruiting. You saw when the the second team guys had to step up. Now, obviously, there was walk-ons, and we know all about that whole situation, but 
you got to get to a point to where if you're not two or three deep, you have an issue. Well, and I think we're about to learn this coming year just what Dan Mullen is offering on that recruiting trail. We have seen now that he can win eight, nine, ten games uh, with Jim McElwain's recruits. Uh, I want to see now what is he going to do with his recruits, with his number eight class, with his number 12 class, whatever it may be. Um, I think we all agree that Wesley McGriff is a, uh, a is better uh, equipped at UF than Ron English. Yeah. I think we all think that Florida made a net improvement there. But I, I think when it comes to Torian Gray versus um, Jules Montanar, I think we all have big question marks there. And I think that if – Given the opportunity, I think a lot of us would rather have Torian Gray back there. And another thing, too, we we know he's hired as a secondary coach. We don't know exactly what his role is going to be. Maybe he's not going out there recruiting these high school kids. Maybe he's there just to completely just coach the secondary and get these kids ready. And I don't have a problem with that. Uh, As long as the recruiting improves – and as long as this defense gets better, because we saw what the defense was like last year. So we, it can't get any worse. I would, I would hope it wouldn't get any worse. So maybe you're bringing this guy in um, that has good coaching experience, may not be the best recruiter, and maybe you're leaving somebody else up to that job. So, uh, you know, uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to go on with that hire? Um, like I said, you don't know exactly what he's going to coach and what his role is in that. I mean, it, all you see is secondary coach. Maybe they're telling him not to go out and recruit. Just coach these guys up. Put them in the right spots. Put them in the right positions. Because you saw last year, a lot of confusion out there on that secondary. So maybe he's there to, to, to answer all that confusion. So I kind of like the hire. I'm 50-50 with it. But we're just going to have to go ahead and see what, what it brings in the future. But uh, also, news came out that Florida's retaining Christian Robinson as the linebacker coach. Brian, Jake, what do you all think about Christian Robinson being retained? I think that's a big um, – I think that's a, a big – Story, not story, but like I think that's big in terms of keeping a guy like him on the staff because I think, you know, obviously people were saying he was going to Michigan. He agreed to go to Michigan. And, you know, he's been, he's a young guy and he th- I think he's been one of their hardest working recruiters on the trail. And losing a guy like him would definitely be a big blow. We're talking about recruiting so much to the recruiting team that they have. Yeah, I think that uh, if we're going to give Mullen crap about, you know, not being able to get guys like Traveris Robinson in here, then we need to give him credit for, you know, being able to keep Christian Robinson when uh, another major program was going after him. Um, You know, as far as what I feel about it, I didn't think the linebackers were very good other than Ventrell Miller this year. I don't necessarily think that's on – See, Rob, I don't necessarily – like I said, I don't blame the uh, cornerbacks on on the defensive backs coaches from last year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's 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 a positive for Mullen. I think C-Rob's a pretty good recruiter, and I think there's a lot of talent in the linebacking core, especially once you add like a Daiwan Black into it. Um, but we'll have to see once once they get back on the field. But I think it's a good thing to be able to keep him away from another major player in the national college football scene. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, hearing the news of Christian Robinson being retained, actually, uh, it, it was a it was a breath of fresh air, or a sigh of relief, not a breath of fresh air, but a sigh of relief. And to me, I thought a lot of people, I guess, there were some people wanting a new linebackers coach because you were talking about how they were all out of place. And they, you know, just the linebacker, besides Ventral Miller, it was just, it was just terrible. Uh, but I, a lot of things happened with a bunch of defenses last year. There was a, there was a bad COVID year. There was a lot of offense last year. If you look at the history of 2020 and, the, and all the college teams, there was a lot more offense than there was defense, especially in the SEC. So I think that kind of affected all the defenses and in, in primarily the SEC. Uh, but uh, I think retaining Christian Robinson, I mean, one bad year, man. Um, I think you deserve, you know, at least another shot. I think that Christian Robinson is one. Hey, he's an elite recruiter at the linebacker spot. So there is no reason why you should at least get rid of him. Or and and, and I'm I'm glad they retained him. I mean, there was there's nothing that I've thought to where you need to get rid of C-Rob right now. I mean, every coach is going to make their mistakes. They're going to have their blunders. 
But as far as it's like consistently not getting bad each and every year, I don't have an issue with that. But eventually, especially with Todd Grantham here, we, we could go all day about Todd Grantham. But it, the defense with Todd Grantham has gradually gotten worse as it's gotten to the University of Florida. And I think they're giving Todd Grantham another shot because of the COVID year. But eventually, man, if this defense gets worse and worse and worse, you're going to have to kind of go to the head of the, of the head of the defense, that, and that's Todd Grantham. So we'll see uh, we'll see this year if it was Todd Grantham or not. I mean, we got a lot of new coaching hires, especially on defense. We retain Christian Robinson, the guy that's been getting all these elite recruits to the University of Florida. So you know, I, I like it. I like it right now until I see you know these young linebackers that are coming in, these top 100s, these five-star linebackers that Christian Robinson has recruited. Didn't really get to see him a lot last year. You're going to see him a lot this year. So we're going to see what he's made of. Well, I think it's kind of important moving into this year because the scheme's not going to change. You want to have some continuity amongst the coaches in the defense. And uh, with obviously the back end of the defense is going to be almost completely different. Uh, I think it was important to at least keep a little bit more continuity in that coach's room there. Yeah, and you don't want those linebackers hitting the transfer portal. So, uh, especially with these new rules that might come into effect in the transfer portal with a one-time eligibility. I know they delayed that. They suspended that for right now. But I, 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 I assume that's going to happen. I am assume that they're going to pass it to where there's a one-time transfer, uh, one-time, one-play, then after that you have to sit a year or at least get a waiver to, to play instantly. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing Christian Robinson's there. They retained him. And uh, you want to keep those elite linebackers there on the campus. So, yeah, uh, interesting interesting coaching hires here from the University of Florida this past week, especially with the new name and has everybody on Facebook and Twitter saying, Who the f*** is that guy? So, uh, we kind of introduced him here for a little bit for you guys. But, hey, you know what? It's a young guy. I like it. I like the hire. We'll see what happens with the hire of... I guess Jules Montanar, Hule is Montanar. Uh, if I butchered your name, I am sorry. I am the king and the butcher of names. But, uh, you know, uh, and I had some DMs too, speaking of that. Uh, we had some DMs, and uh, I, don't, I don't give out people's names a lot on DMs just because they're direct messages, they're private messages. So I'm pretty sure they don't want it public. But I was talking to one of my buddies that I talk to all the time in DMs, and he, um, he said he had something to say about it too. He said, definitely not a shiny or flashy hire people wanted. But with how lazy the staff has been as of lately on recruiting, I don't mind the addition of a young dude trying to get his name out there. And I kind of said that too a little bit. Versus having somebody with a big name who thinks just the logo will get kids here and not needing to try. So, yeah, I, I if the guy's trying to make a name for himself, he came to the right place. I mean, you put a University of Florida logo on your chest, you go out there, recruit, and uh, hey, we'll see what you can do. So, uh, yeah, new coaching hires here at the University of Florida. Uh, and uh, some really shocking news, man, that, that, that came into the uh, Florida Florida Gator files this this weekend, man. A uh, former player by the name of Luke Ankrum, man, uh, getting arrested here in the uh, Alachua Al- Al- County Jail for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon without intent to kill. Um, uh, there was just uh, one, two, three, four, five, six charges on Luke Ankrum. Um, apparently was at Fat Daddy's. Uh, didn't like that there was a $5 cover threw some money at uh, some of the security guards and the, 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 it just started from there. Uh, uh, I, am pretty sure, you know, the alligator came out with an article, uh, explaining what had happened. Um, apparently Ankrum punched one of the bouncers and gave him a swollen left eye, according to the report, then hurled a metal barricade towards the bouncers, which struck a third victim's hip. The report didn't specify if the victim was another bouncer or a bystander. Uh, you can read the whole rest of the article here on the alligator. And, uh, yeah, Fat Daddies, man. Any of you guys been over to Fat Daddies? Leave it to David to use the audio of a guy who got absolutely bodied on national television last night. That's why it was so perfect. I even told him, I was like, actually, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I figured I had to add that one to the show, man. You know, old Conor McGregor coming back for a, uh, a, what, after a two- or three-year stint? Coming back to, uh, I mean, you know. You go in there, and, and I'm not trying to get off subject with with Gator News or anything, but, man, you go in there after two or three years in the UFC, you're not as conditioned and a little bit older. Uh, that's bound to happen. Uh, but did say that he, he wanted to come back for a stint, so we'll see what happens with uh, Conor McGregor there. But, yeah, I mean, speaking of fighting and everything, hey, this, this is right down the alley. But uh, what do you guys think about Fat Daddies? Uh, you know, when I was in college, I, I did not prefer to indulge myself at the Fat Daddies Bar and Grill. I did not. 
I was a I was more of a salty dog saloon kind of guy. Salty dog. Never been there. Um yeah, but it's best bar in Gainesville. I've passed by Fat Daddy's before, but I didn't throw barricades at people. Yeah, I uh, I moved here just before I was I turned thirty. I I kind of stay away from the midtown scene a little bit. <laughs> well, the uh, the worst thing about Fats was that if you it's like one of the things where you got to go like right when it opens or as it's closing. You can't get there like nine o'clock and expect to get in there pretty quick because the line wraps around the corner and down past like other businesses in that plaza area. So it's very popular for some reason. Uh, it's not my kind of thing, but people love going there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless you're Luke Akram, then you probably don't like going there right now because you're sitting in the Alachua County jail at a $130,000 bond or bail actually. So uh, yeah, if you're getting a bond, that's pretty much what 10% of that maybe. So it'd be like a $14,000 bond, maybe 13, 14,000. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a disheartening story. You you hate to see former players end up in the news um, for this this type of behavior, um, but uh, the report's pretty cut and dry. It looks like obviously there's he's going to see his time in court, and all this is alleged. Um, but uh, this is kind of an interesting because just I don't I don't even know the time frame on when it was said, but Luke Ankrum went on Twitter and actually was quoted on Twitter saying, I was told I'll be in prison once I'm done with football and school. And, yes, that was by coach at John Hevesy. So he tweeted this, at John Hevesy. Well, I mean, I actually have much more respect for John Hevesy. He kind of called this, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That's – and that's – and I don't mean to laugh about it. It's really not a funny situation. Right, no, I completely agree. It's it's actually ridiculous, but the fact that – you're on Twitter and you're acknowledging that, hey, once I'm done football, once I'm done school, they think I'm going to jail. Well, do something about it. How the hell are you going to be in a situation at 1.30 in the morning where literally it was a $2, a $2 difference here yeah, I, I is what's $2. causing you now a $130,000 difference. So I, I don't know. I think you've got to be smart, but nothing good happens outside in these kind of bars after like 12 o'clock it's kind of proven with athletes uh, just just stay out of that situation and uh, look i know your your college kids that's what you want to do um but yeah there, there's nothing good that can come out of this situation um i mean i hope luke ankrum's able to get whatever help he needs whether it's an anger management issue or if it's a drinking issue who knows and obviously we're speculating about all of this but we all want to see some good come from this, and it's not going to come from sitting in that that Alachua County Jail. No, definitely not, man. And a five dollar cover. Uh, I don't care how blasted I am at a bar. If somebody tells me there's a five dollar cover. That's uh, that's nothing. Like, okay, here, well, here's five bucks. I'll give it to you. Um, you know, I, I don't understand. Uh, maybe uh, who knows? He could have been really blasted. You don't know the whole situation. Nobody knows. All we know is the uh, the amount of charges. I think the Alligator had, it says here, that it was two counts of aggravated assault as well as aggravated battery, simple battery, and criminal mischief Saturday, according to the Gainesville Police Arrest Report. So, yeah, I mean, eh, probably got a little bit angry about a cover. Probably shouldn't have done something he should have done. Now he's paying the price for it. Hopefully gets a good lawyer. Hopefully learns from what he did, learns from his mistakes, becomes a better man. But you talk about Hevesy saying that, I mean, obviously, if, if you're a role model to kids that are troubled kids, you probably don't want to say that to a kid because then he might take that. You could either take it two ways. You could take He could take it, well, I'm going to prove you wrong, or he's going to be like, well, I'm never going to be anybody. So why, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll go get arrested after college. I mean, as, and, as an older adult, you don't want to tell a kid that. And to be fair, we don't know what the context. John Hevesy never commented on this. We don't know what the context of how it was said to him. I'm sure it wasn't, hey, when you're done playing football, when you're done school, you're going to jail. I'm sure it was not like that, okay? I'm sure it was more of like a, hey, look, here's some options for you. We're giving you this path, or you could go down this path. And, and I mean, you see what path he's kind of going down. And, again, we don't know what what caused 
everything to kind of boil over the other night. But we do know that $130,000 is a serious number. Um, and those six offenses, several of those felony offenses, those are big time charges. So obviously we don't want to see that. Um, and we all want this to come to a, a good positive conclusion, but uh, you know, it's definitely not a good, a good start to the weekend for, for Luke Ankrum anyway. No, definitely not in the slammer, man. Uh, Jake, you went to you went to high school with Luke Ankrum, didn't you? I did. <clears throat> Fellow Blue Street Luke Ankrum. Um, you know, I'm not a, an expert on Luke. We just went to high school together. Um, we didn't really share many classes, but you know, I think yeah, it's what you guys said. It's a really unfortunate situation and circumstance that Luke's found himself in. You know, it's not the first time someone's done something horribly stupid. Um, at Midtown, sober or not. So, I mean, you know, you can't punch people, you can't throw barricades, can't break windows. You know, it's just one of those things that he made a really bad mistake. And, I mean, deniably so, it's a, I don't know, uh, that it's, you know, it's an inexcusable thing to do regardless of his level of sobriety. But you just hate to see something happen to someone like that, you know? Yeah. And, and in a lot of those cases, man, um, especially with a good lawyer, a lot of those charges will get dropped to some minor misdemeanor kind of things. Probably what's going to happen to him is he'll spend some time in the slammer for a little bit, do some community service, be on probation. And that's probably open and <laughs> open door shut right there. But um, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> kids man, nothing, no, listen to Brian, man, nothing, Nothing is good after midnight. Uh, nothing goes on good after midnight. And uh, nothing's been going good in Knoxville, Tennessee here as of late. Uh, as the news had broke out this week that, uh, yeah, Tennessee is facing level one and level two consequences there for uh, some uh, extra toys in that Happy Meal and for some uh, green napkins there. You know, it was funny on Tuesday when this started to break out and everybody saw the Dan Patrick. We've known that, that Tennessee was being investigated for, for a few weeks now. Uh, but on Dan Patrick's radio show, he comes out and he says, you know, hey, they were giving kids money in McDonald's bags at their school. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I went out and had McDonald's for lunch and I had McDonald's for dinner and I thought it was the greatest story of my life. Um, and honestly, I haven't seen anything, you know, uh, Dave, I, I know you're familiar with it, but uh, Tennessee fans are, are wild and, and very loud and very profound on Twitter. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of them this week, uh, even after they hired a, a, um, a new athletic director, but it's been an interesting, uh, last five or so days of, of Tennessee Twitter. Yeah. I haven't heard much from Tennessee Twitter either. And you mentioned Dan Patrick, man, I'm going to go ahead and play a clip real quick. It's about a minute clip, uh, from the Dan Patrick show. He's a really credible source. Uh, there's nothing that Dan Patrick says that I don't believe he's, he's, He's one of the more credible names out there, has a really popular show as well. Uh, go ahead and play a little clip here. You know, there's a few things that are going on here. And I, I asked my source, I said, how did they get these assistant coaches on recruiting violations? And he said, well, they put money into McDonald's bags and gave them to the recruits when they came on campus. Some of the, you know, the, the campus visits uh, were not organized or they were not above board, but they were handing out cash. I don't know if it was through the drive-thru. That's a happy meal. So you, you literally had bagmen, and they, were, they put the cash in McDonald's bags and handed it to the recruits. My source said they were so in your face with this. They weren't even trying to hide it. And that's where my source said, Tennessee got sloppy. Georgia has gotten sloppy, but there's been no word on the NCAA looking at Georgia. But Tennessee, they got sloppy, and they were handing out cash <laughs> in McDonald's bags. Yeah, that's that's pretty nuts, man. And, and especially, he's talking about, you know, Georgia and all these other programs getting sloppy, I guess just Georgia. But um, that's interesting because we heard, uh, I think, two weeks prior that there was something going on in Tennessee as well. And you would hear the rumblings on Twitter and, and on social media that finally this breaks out. But you also heard Georgia was involved. And it sounded like, I heard that Pruitt was trying to take down Georgia in this whole thing, too. And there are some interesting things going on right now, and I'm like really curious to see in the next 
month or so if maybe that flows into the University of Georgia as well. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's it's very, uh, if you're going to put money in McDonald's bags, you kind of want to just keep it in the bag and just probably hand them the bag and not take it out of the bag and show everybody, hey, look, there's cash in here, guys. You know, it's, it doesn't come with a Happy Meal. I, anytime I've ever gotten a Happy Meal, I don't think I've ever gotten cash as a toy. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't know what what kind of cartoon character idea this was to use fast food bags as a guise for giving people money. That might be as opposed to the Manila like envelope full of cash. Like brown bag is definitely like top five of money transportation mechanisms. And it might be just as blatant as when I remember watching SMU that 30 for 30. Remember how they were uh, talking about some of the other ways that other teams were cheating before SMU did. And some guy got a gold Trans Am or a brand new Trans Am or something like that. This is like that level of thing. Like it's so blatantly obvious that it's almost stupid that they would do it. And to talk about stupid, Jake, I 100% agree with you. What's stupid is that they're doing this, and they weren't finishing with the number one class. They weren't finishing with the top five class. What the hell were they doing? <laughs> Who are you offering this money to? A couple three stars? The one or two five stars you got? Wow. I, you know, when this, that was my thought when this came out. They've been offering all this money and whatever, and, and who knows? It could have had 40 bucks in it. We don't know how much was in the in the bags. $1. They're offering this money out, and Jeremy Pruitt went 16 and 19 at Tennessee. What the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, he did get – I wonder if Harrison Bailey got some of that money because, I mean, that team that he was on, which was he was teammates with Rashad Torrance, that entire team had like eight guys go power five and four of them were SEC players. It was him, Torrance, B.J. Ojolari, and one other guy. Oh, and Eric Gilbert. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because Amarius Mims was a a high five-star recruit that Tennessee and Georgia were in a battle for. And Tennessee and Georgia have had lots of recruiting battles where it's came down to Tennessee and Georgia. And Georgia mainly winds up with the recruit over Tennessee. So now you're thinking, okay, so if Tennessee was handing out money in McDonald's bags to recruits to get them on Tennessee's campus, what the hell was Georgia doing? I mean, it, I mean, you see players with Ford Raptors. They were giving out Ford Raptors over money. I mean, I would take a Ford Raptor over money, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, that's right. crazy, not, man. Not, not to call any players out individually, because we, we obviously don't know with, with very few exceptions of, of who was involved, but I'd really like to know Cade Mays' story. This is a right. guy who transferred from Georgia to Tennessee, played, started along the offensive line this year. Uh, I mean, there's just so many elements to this story, and I, I honestly, I was kind of shocked at how quick they were able to hire a new athletic director. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. I thought that this was like a search that was, you know, any if I was a group of five athletic director, I'd be like, let's at least see what you guys got coming because the NCAA is going to hit you pretty good. Look, Brian, Danny White is no stranger to controversy, so I think he'd be okay working for Right, him. but he's used to controversy that just gets their name out there. It's not necessarily – this is negative. This is going to set Tennessee back for years. Not, not that they haven't been back for years anyway, but this isn't just we put our name out there, we're going to Disney World for winning seven games, we're doing this. Uh, I, I was surprised to see. I thought Danny White – could have gotten a much better position at a better school. Um, he probably could have got his dad's job. Probably. Yeah. Now, at least with him there, they'll win national championships every year, right? Yeah. Champions in life winning national titles that nobody recognizes. With five-star hearts. Yeah. Well, McDonald's bags can't buy a five-star heart, just letting you know, right? All it can buy you is a lot of calories and then digestion. So yeah. that's one as one hell of a quarter pounder, man. Yeah, with some cash browns. That was a that that was that was definitely a big uh, a big Twitter night for at least Florida Gator Twitter. Um, you know, with the fact that Florida was beating the crap out of Tennessee in basketball. You know, yeah. Graham Hall was having some fun with the, with his tweets, making as many McDonald's puns as he could. 
And to see somebody like Graham Hall, who rarely ever throws like an insult or a Photoshop out there, that was pretty funny, man. Uh, it's funny when you see people that never really say anything and they just report and then they're throwing out insults left and right. It's pretty funny, man. So yeah, Graham Hall was having a good time with that. And even, hey, you know what? Even the uh, McDonald's of Gainesville took to Twitter with a statement from McDonald's of Gainesville saying, we have never given a Florida Gator athlete anything in McDonald's bags except for McDonald's food. Our happy meals make you happy, but not that happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> no Come on, you're going to tell me they didn't, give, <laughs> they didn't give an extra bag of fries to some, uh, some athletes. Come on now. <laughs> I'm disappointed in my Gainesville McDonald's. (laughs) That's my question is, is a coach buying McDonald's for a a college athlete just as much of an impermissible benefit as giving them five grand in cash in a McDonald's bag? I don't know, man. That's a, that's pretty good assessment there, Brian. What do you think? I I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that there are going to be different levels of infraction. Giving somebody $5,000 cash is probably a level one violation buying dinner for a recruit or for for a player is probably a much lower level charge but that's just a guess that's without Jake didn't prepare me for that so I don't have if to. it was if it was Tennessee getting getting caught buying McDonald's for recruits we'd be laughing at the NCAA right now yeah, uh, we'd be talking about them making trips to the White House so that they could have <laughs> yeah. a McDonald's dinner there. <laughs> we've seen speculation. It just makes me think, like, Tennessee lost a lot of recruiting battles, though, even when they were when they're you know, getting caught giving cash to recruits. So what are all these other schools doing, like Alabama and Georgia? Like, And you, you heard Georgia said it could be Georgia wrapped up into this. We'll see. I don't know, but... I mean, there's speculation of these kids driving these new Ford Raptors after, you know, they've come from, like, a really poor family and they go play at the University of Georgia. I mean, obviously, that's – you can tell that somebody handed them something. But it, it's funny because Tennessee lost a lot of recruiting battles anyway, and they weren't even good. So it's like they cheated it still weren't good at all. So that just shows you that the programs above them – I mean, Alabama carries weight. So I don't even think with, – with the history that Nick Saban has – with his, all of his national titles and his consistency and how he's been consistent throughout a whole over a decade, you don't even really need to throw out cash to recruits. That name just speaks for itself. Like, you know you're going to go to the NFL if you go to the University of Alabama. You have a good chance, you know. All these other schools don't have that kind. I mean, like, Georgia hasn't won a national championship over 40 years. Like, you know, so they're having to push, like, the narrative of, hey, come to the University of Georgia over somebody like Alabama. Yeah, they're going to be handing something out. And Tennessee's going to have to do that to, to compete with the rest of them, too. So it's just, it's just kind of funny to see, you know, Tennessee get caught. Now you're hearing Georgia might be wrapped up in it. And it's going to be an interesting month, man, probably a couple months. I don't know. I, I don't know any – I'm not an insider. I don't know any kind of details. All I know is what Dan Patrick told us. All I know is what he said that his source had told him. So, hey, it could get interesting down the uh, down the stretch here for the University of Georgia here as well. But, uh, yeah, you were talking about the basketball game. Uh, I'm not a big basketball guy. I know you – Brian, you, you watch basketball. I don't know about you, Jake. But, uh, man, that <laughs> to add insult to injury and, and for it to happen on that very day, the day that it all gets announced that the cash was handed out in McDonald's bags and they're on level one and level two recruiting sanctions, Florida completely dismantles Tennessee in the basketball game. And it was uh, it, it, everybody that was betting probably bet on Tennessee. I would have bet on Tennessee. They completely mishandled them, Brian. And uh, I watched a little bit of that game. Uh, I think Tennessee came within an 11-point deficit and they were coming back. And then Florida had like four steals in a row and scored on every one of them. And that pretty much put the game away. <laughs> like, yeah. And you're just thinking in your head, man, if this is the most Tennessee thing ever, this has to be the most Tennessee thing ever. Well, you know, I, I obviously I would like to talk a little bit about the basketball team in general. But, yeah, staying on that Tennessee topic just for a second, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal to see. I don't think any of us saw that Tennessee game coming. Florida was playing without three of their top players. Obviously, we all know what happened to Keontae Johnson, uh, but they were also missing uh, Scotty Lewis and Colin Castleton uh, down low. Uh, but they didn't miss a beat. Man, they just – it looked phenomenal. Everything looked so, so fluid and so effortless. Um, and then to see them follow that up in Georgia – uh, it, it was a huge moment for this program, and it might be a turning point for what we're seeing from Mike White and, and his uh, his squad. Uh, Mike White actually had a really interesting uh, comment during media on Thursday. 
obviously his brother, Danny White, is the new athletic director at uh, Tennessee. And he said he absolutely counts that as a win against his brother. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. But uh, I thought that was kind of a fun, fun little, yeah, I know he wasn't quite the boss yet, but uh, that that's definitely a win <laughs> I counted against him. So, uh, but I, I really like what we're seeing from this basketball team. I think we're seeing uh, Omar Payne and Colin Castleton working together on the court at the same time. Uh, it kind of adds that, um, that muscle down low that we haven't seen from Florida basketball in probably under Mike White at all. Jake, I'm curious what your take is on this basketball team real quick. Yeah, I think they're, uh, this team is probably, uh, honestly, it still fits into that prototypical Mike White team where you don't know what the heck is going on because uh, they will lose to teams like Alabama and then get destroyed by Kentucky and then, you know, they'll come out and they'll play this amazing game against the Tennessee team that was missing one of its best players, but that's beside the point. And, you know, then they come out and they get this big, you know, you, know, you would expect, all would expect with a Mike White team that they would come out and lay a complete egg against Georgia, you know, and not come out and play focused. And they end up winning that game a lot closer than people probably wanted it to be. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, this team's playing well right now. And I think Colin Castleton has been a difference maker for them, especially with guys either not playing or not being factors in the ball game. Colin Castleton's really provided them some kind of option in the low post because Omar Payne is still a rebounding machine, but Colin Castleton's one of those guys where he's getting you and ones almost every time he takes the ball up. And, you know, this team's just playing with a lot of effort right now, being down two of their best players. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think part of part of what makes me think that maybe this team has turned a turned a corner is that, like you said, we all expected them to fall flat against a really fast paced Georgia team, and they didn't do that. Not only did they not do that throughout the second half of that game there was not a point where I worried that Florida was going to lose that game, even though it got down to, you know, eight, six, seven points or whatever. I never felt like Florida was going to lose that game. And that's a pretty foreign feeling under Mike White. Yeah. And uh, coming off a victory against the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, who I just mentioned there just a second ago. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, I, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to earlier this week. They were talking about, you know, they're not going to give Mike White a pass yet. And they didn't think that they would beat Georgia, and they beat Georgia. It was a, what, 96 to 84 game, something like that. I can't remember what the score was. I'm not the biggest basketball guy, but. Um, 92 to 84. 92 to 84. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, this might be a turning point, like you said, Brian, for this basketball team. You know, I know I'm not the biggest basketball guru here. I know you guys know a lot more about basketball than I do, but. I'm kind of interested watching this basketball team now, man. Uh, I, I always, I've always been the biggest Mike White non-believer, and now it looks like there could be a turning point here for uh, for the University of Florida. And maybe they found out. Maybe playing some of these young guys, man. Maybe they should have kept them on the court uh, a lot longer, man. So uh, it, it's good to see Payne out there uh, making plays as well. Uh, but yeah, this basketball team, man, is something to watch for now. Uh, two wins in a row, a big win over Tennessee, a number ranked six team, by the way, a six seed. And now, hey, beating the University of Georgia, one of the better SEC teams right now, I would say, I guess, in, in the SEC. So now, uh, I don't know who they face next. Um, you guys might Bear know. Bill. It's a big game. Big game. All right. Big game next for the uh, Florida Gator basketball team. And, hey, you know what? I, I just read news now. If we want to get into other sports a little bit, the uh, baseball team ranked number one. I think they got the number one recruiting class, too. Yeah, they're going to be Yeah, really the baseball good. team – the baseball team is pretty much loaded. They've got the exact same team pretty much uh, that they had last year that finished 16 and one before the pandemic closed. Um, yeah. Baseball softball is going to be up there again. Gymnastics is ranked number one. Um, we're going to obviously with, with the, um, with the football season coming to a close, we're going to start to talk a little bit more about each of these programs. Um, not a whole lot. We're still going to focus obviously on football, but uh, Florida's the everything school for a reason. And I, what you're seeing right now is, is pretty indicative of why they are literally the everything school. 
Yeah, they had just speaking for baseball specifically, they had high expectations last year because they knew how poorly they played the year before. So now it's going to be, they have probably those same expectations. Now everybody else thinks they're going to come out and not only meet those, but meet them in a very big way and just dominate everybody, which I don't know if that's going to be possible because even though Florida pretty much stayed intact, so did teams like Vanderbilt and LSU and Georgia, you know, Georgia might not have, um, I don't know their roster right quick, but I would assuming that Emerson Hancock is not there anymore, but George has been, you know, on at least in the last few years started to come around as a ball team again. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. I got to go to a couple of the, the scrimmages this, this fall and Florida's fielding two teams and either one of those teams could have won the American Athletic Conference, for example, um, and, and would have been very competitive in the SEC by itself. Uh, it, it's pretty incredible just how much depth Kevin O'Sullivan has this year. And if you notice the trend, man, whenever – like, I'm the big football guy, right? But I, whenever – like, Florida gets a victory in football, it seems to have a domino effect on the other teams. Like, uh, you remember when LSU when, – when Florida went to LSU Stadium, stopped them on the one-yard line and won the game – and then, or it was later on that year, I think Florida defeated LSU for the national championship that year. And it's just like, it seems it has like a domino effect with the, the, the whole Tennessee debacle. And now you have Florida coming out and blowing out Tennessee in basketball. And they're probably going to blow them out here next year in, in football like they do just about every time they play Tennessee. But now it's just going to be even worse with, with no pretty much every recruit transferring out of that program. I mean, there is a whole list of names. Uh, if, if I had a list, I, I know somebody had a list of the transfers that were transferring out of Tennessee, and it was over 11 transfers. And these were big names, like uh, just the like Toto. I think we're we're in the mix right now for uh, Toto services for at uh, linebacker. We don't know where that's going to go, where that's going to head. And now we still have Eric Gilbert out there in the transfer portal too. And it uh, looks like uh, it's going to take a little bit longer for Eric Gilbert. But um, yeah, it, it just—it's a trickle-down effect, man. Florida has all-around great sports: uh, basketball, baseball, gymnastics, and uh, yeah. I mean, as soon as the football starts trickling down here, we're going to cover mainly football here on this podcast. But you know, we're going to get into a little bit of baseball and basketball, man. As soon as these seasons start up, with uh, me, Brian, and possibly Jake, if he wants to hop on here with us. But uh, you know, uh, Florida's in good position right now, especially in, in baseball. And, and they're in the driver's seat right now in basketball in their conference. And hopefully next time when Florida plays Kentucky in basketball, we can we can get a win. And, uh, you know, well, Florida definitely is uh, – National Signing Day still coming up. Florida still has a few prospects out there in high school like Destin Hill, Terry, and Arnold that they're trying to get onto this football team for the, this recruiting cycle. And we will have on Corey Bender next week. Uh, this coming Sunday to talk before National Signing Day to see where Florida stands with these high school recruits. And, uh, hey, you know what? Some of these transfers that are still lingering out there for us. So, uh, folks, that'll do it for this episode of the Gridiron Growl podcast. I know we'd like to thank Brian, Jake, obviously, for joining me and, and, and schooling me a little bit on this basketball and baseball, considering I have no clue what I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah. Um, well, me, I got no clue what I'm talking about either. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to go to McDonald's today, man. I'm I'm hoping that if I get, like, a Happy Meal, there'll be, like, 50 bucks inside or something because, you know, I mean, I really need to get some gas, and gas prices are starting to go up a little bit. Dave, I want you to get that started on Twitter. How happy is your meal? (laughs) We could do that. I just want to take the opportunity for everybody to to watch the uh, documentary McMillions because this seems to be a very fitting thing for this entire uh, situation. Yeah, and uh, also, man, if, if McDonald's of Gainesville is out there, and uh, you know, we reposted your uh, Facebook post out there. If you're out there, McDonald's of Gainesville, if you if you need a good sponsorship, let us know, man. We'll 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 be lined right up there at the gate for it. <laughs> I will also take free McNuggets if that's possible. Yes, free McNuggets for at least for uh, Jake for the Chop Talk staff. <laughs> All right, Brian, Jake, man, uh, it's been fun, man, talking a little bit of football, you know, a little bit of news here or there. Football season starts winding down and basketball and baseball start up. Uh, obviously, ba- basketball has been started up, but baseball starts up here. And uh, Brian, Jake, you got anything else to add? Oh, I do want to add one thing. Uh, one thing that was uh, really important that happened this week was the passing of Hank Aaron. Um, 
I still recognize him as the all-time home run leader uh, in professional baseball. Um, but such a such a big deal, and what what that man had to go through uh, in getting to the milestones that he set. Um, from all accounts, he's a uh, he was a genuine, uh, really, really just down to earth, good human being, and uh, it's really sad to see him go. Uh, but I thought, especially being in SEC territory, it was uh, important enough to mention the passing of Hank Aaron and uh, may he rest in peace. And Larry King, too, man. Uh, Larry King passed away uh, just the next day, I believe. Uh, I think Hank Aaron was 86. Yeah, I think they were both in their 80s, passed away. And, uh, yeah, just two legends, man. Uh, a legend in, in, in talk and a legend in baseball, man. Uh, just two legends that, that were tragically taken away from us uh, this week and uh yeah uh, prayers out to their families and definitely gonna miss uh, definitely gonna miss larry king uh that's a legend there in, in media and and you know obviously on television and uh yeah definitely going to miss the legend of hank aaron as well so yeah man uh rest in peace larry king and hank aaron man real big icons in television baseball and media and uh, folks i don't, I don't want to end this podcast on a sad note so i uh, took to twitter and asked you folks to give your best tennessee joke and voicemails and everyone who did leave us a voicemail and for people who leave us voicemails in the future and i know we've gotten a few that we couldn't make out they weren't legible because there was like too much wind or static so yeah it just it has to be legible there can't be a lot of static or wind in the background. And there was two voicemails left and sent to our voicemail line, but neither one of them were legible. And I really wanted to figure out what they said because it was probably funny, but there has to be, you know, you have to be legible. It can't just have static. If you're doing something, just wait till you're in a quiet room or something when you leave us a voicemail. But uh, there was a lot of uh, funny photoshops out there from uh, a lot of sites. Uh, even me, I joined in on the action this week on Twitter, and uh, it was pretty funny, man. Um, but we uh, we did ask some fans to give their best jokes at, uh, at Dusted 0682382200. Wow, that's a lot of numbers, man. Says, Tennessee, that's it. That's the joke. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking at the the past decade that Florida had with Tennessee and all the games that we've won over the past decade, they've had one out of like 15 or something like that. So, yeah, that's the joke. And it obviously, especially just what just happened now. So it's just the most Tennessee thing that could ever happen. So, yeah, uh, that, all you have to do is mention Tennessee to anybody that's a college football fan. They'll probably laugh. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, and even Graham Hall, man, he, he, he himself even joined in on some commentary and it was pretty funny. Uh, he says at Gators make a Mick flurry of substitutions, bring in walk-ons, Alex Klatsky and Jack may with more than a minute left to play against the sec's top ranked team. So that was obviously directed towards the basketball game. So even Graham Hall joining in on the McDonald's jokes. And, uh, and you know, as we mentioned, McDonald's of Gainesville also chimed in on the situation, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, but uh, folks, that'll do it for this episode, of the gridiron growl podcast. And next week, we will have on Corey Bender from Gators Territory to get some final notes before National Signing Day and even more names that could you have possibly could go after in the transfer portal, especially after the mass transfers from the Tennessee program. And if everything works out this week, I may be even able to get on a bonus guest on here from the message boards out there from Gators Territory and Rivals. So, folks, that as football season dwindles down, and National Signing Day approaches, and Knoxville gets put in the McDonald's deep fryer. <laughs> you know what we say here on the Gridiron Grawl podcast. In all kinds of weather, we don't just stick together, but we also keep it together. <laughs> <laughs>